Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined, as always, by Eric Trexler. How you doing, Eric? Doing well, Erica. We're going into your sweet spot today, millennials. Yes, yes, it is a sweet spot, and it's just you and I today, which it's, it's been a while since we've just kind of, you know, talked shop. <laughs> it has. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe you should give your background and experience on millennials, what you do to, to uh, substantiate your expertise in this area. <laughs> Well, uh, so I actually, I wrote a book um, about a year ago called The Millennials Playbook to Adulting. So it's a, um, it's, it's a, almost like a how-to manual on all things uh, around, um, you know, just uh, adulting topics, things that you maybe didn't learn in, in college or you didn't learn from your parents or other, other folks in your life. And so, you know, we see so much in the news about millennials and where um, it seems like they're just a little bit of a, a different generation when you compare them to those that have come before them and even after them. And so um, so that, that's my background. So I spent a lot of time reading and studying um, millennials. I am actually not a millennial. I'm an exennial. Have you heard of that before? I haven't actually. So an exennial is the micro generation between millennials and and Gen um, and Gen X. So Gen X. Yes. So uh, for example, you know, I remember not having the internet and getting my, our first Commodore sixty four C and playing Oregon Trail. Um, but also, I'm you know still very connected to technology. Um, I have my phone within reach <laughs> at all times, and so I kind of you know I'm in that that little that balance, especially when it comes to technology, right in the middle. Interesting. There's a crossover. I had a Commodore 128 myself. Uh, <laughs> interesting. You also speak quite a bit. Yes. On yes. the topic. Yes, I do. Publicly. I do. It's 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 something that you know I I I find very fascinating. I actually talk a lot about um, the workplace and just the generational. Um, mix up. I don't want to say generational divide, but um, just how, you know, there's four different generations in the workforce right now. We have boomers, we have um, Gen X, we have millennials, and we now have Gen, uh, Gen Z. Well, oh, right. Millennials right. Gen are Gen Z. Y. Yep. yep. And yep. so I think it's interesting when you look at it um, and you see how many differences there are and how organizations can actually make the, the mix work for them as opposed to against them. And even in cybersecurity, I mean, when you look at it, there's a lot of differences in how you view cybersecurity, how you view um, trust and, and just awareness. Uh, and it really has to do with where you fall in that generational range. So why are they branded many times, especially in the government, but in general, lazy, careless, <laughs> inconsiderate? You know, they, they're, they're, they're all about themselves. I mean, they, they really get a bad rap in my experience because I've met some really amazing kids out there. We've had some on the podcast. We have, we have. Well, you know, it, it's really unfortunate. And I do think that millennials get a very bad rap um, because they have a different approach to doing things. And sometimes it's very different than how other generations have done it. Um, and so I think there's also things, you know, again, looking at technology, so many things have, they've grown up with um, the internet at their fingertips. And then Gen Z has grown up with the internet, you know, almost coming out the womb in their, in their cell phone in their hands. <laughs> and so Agreed. it's just, yeah. 
So it, it's it's very different. And so, you know, even when we think about, um, you know, like the term la- laziness, which I, I hate to use to describe them. But, you know, again, we think about when we had to do things like a research paper or something like that. We had to go to the library. We had to look it up in archaic systems. And now you can Google anything you want at any place in the world almost. So it's just those types of things that I think sometimes we say, oh, well, they don't put in the work or they don't work as hard. But sometimes it's just a different way of, of doing things. You know, I've noticed I, I'm, I have three sons, 26, 21, almost 26, 21 and 11, almost 12. Oh, wow. OK, so you have the generational mix a little bit. It's just I do. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I do. I really I have a millennial and then I don't know what the 12 year old is. Yeah, but, I don't think there's not a name just yet. <laughs> but, but the difference between the way they've grown up and used electronic devices and the way they think is phenomenal. You know, the, the biggest, the most stark contrast is probably cell phone. Mm-hmm. My oldest got a cell phone at 15. He was running high school track and they took this, they took the pay phone out of the high school. Right. So we, we, we needed to get him a cell phone to use it. And then he had, you know, he had an incredible uh, text message bill, seven, wow. 8,000. Oh yeah. That's when it was. When it, Remember those days? <laughs> yes. Per text. <laughs> the youngest grew up with an iPhone. He was born in 2007 a couple of months after the iPhone came out. Mm-hmm. That's all he's ever known. Mm-hmm. And even the way the 26, 25 year old and the, and the 11, 12 year old interact, let's be, they're 25 and 11. The way they interact it, with one another is different mm-hmm. because it's interesting. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, when you really think about it, because, you know, I, I think about, um, when we had our podcast a couple episodes ago with when we did the consumer podcast and we were talking about all of these great recommendations of how to make sure that you're secure, not just in the workplace, but also at home. And when I heard you and um, and George talk about some of the things that you all do to ensure, you know, security, I mean, to be quite honest, they're very different from things that I do. And certainly, um, I'm sure different from things that, you know, your your sons might do as well. So, you know, because I think, again, when you grow up with this smartphone where you can access the Internet and you can do all these things, you know, really in seconds, you become much more trusting. You know, my dad still cuts his name out of the um, off of magazines before he throws them away because he's afraid of. Nice. <laughs> Identity theft. And, you know, I I don't even think about things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat conscious um, because we have seen more, you know, hacks and, and things like that. But honestly, I think a younger person is more concerned about their Instagram getting hacked than they are probably about, you know, when their financial data getting hacked. Where mine was actually hacked by somebody in Eastern Europe or Russia, from what I could tell. And I, I let it go for a couple of years. I really didn't care. Oh, wow. And then one day I came in and changed my Instagram information. I, I didn't use Instagram, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. a big deal. But literally my account was taken over. Yeah. And some what appeared to be a Russian woman was using my account or an Eastern European woman was using my Instagram account. And I really didn't care. My kids would care. No, they You're would right. freak out. <laughs> but they cared less about their personal data, their banking data. Right. Than they do the Instagram. You're you're absolutely right. I'm the exact opposite. But so I find that they, you know, they, they there's this. I guess we call it a dichotomy where they care about certain personal data, but not others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've seen some studies. Radware had a pretty good study where millennials are quick to use tools 
online tools to search the dark web um, or data breach sites to look for their information. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but they don't necessarily, according to the report by Radware, they don't necessarily, and, and personal experience, quite frankly, care to lock down their personal information. They almost expect it to be protected, mm-hmm. and then they look to see if they're okay. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think about sometimes even when you go into a, a coffee shop, right, and you see lots of millennials are sitting around with their laptops open, and they get up, they go to the restroom. I mean, you know, forget the fact that their actual hardware could be stolen, but just the fact that, you know, they could, they will leave their screen completely open and someone could come right behind them and, you know, get some very personal information. It's just, again, that trust piece is is very different when it comes to um, when it comes to the younger generations. Yeah, they'll share their Netflix passwords or Hulu yes. passwords without even thinking <laughs> yes, about it. Yeah, it's something I would never do. It's so it's interesting. We've got this this difference between the generations, which is why we actually classify and label them. I mm-hmm. think I was very different from the baby boomers, my parents' generation. Um, but but we we almost look at it as it's as if it's a a detriment, mm-hmm. as if it's a handicap, right? Oh, you don't protect things. They're just different. I think. As we carry this over into employment and cybersecurity, we need to recognize they're different, recognize they are the population of the future. For the government, they are the constituents of the future. Absolutely. And I I think it's interesting because there was um, another study that I saw that said, you know, even when you look at cybersecurity as a career, um, millennials still, you know, even though they love technology, they're not really running um, to the cybersecurity field. And we know we look at government um, and other, you know, organizations are still very much being challenged by um, how they're going to fill this 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 workforce because you have so many of the boomers who do work in cybersecurity who are retiring, and for whatever reason, you know, there's still I think this misnomer that you know it's it's such a techie field or um, you have to you know have um, you know more uh, a training and and it's, it's interesting because I feel like it, there's more of that now in terms of even taking cybersecurity courses and things like that than there were in the past, but it, it's still it's still an issue. Yeah, I remember back in the day I had intro to computers, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We had typing courses. It's just assumed these days the kids just pick it up. They do gaming. I was a teaching assistant at the University of Maryland when I, in, in the 90s, and I was teaching Microsoft Office. Oh, wow. That's a fun fact. <laughs> but, but we were teaching how to use Word and how yeah. to create PowerPoint slides at the time, Access and Excel. It's just assumed today. In fact, they don't even use it, right? They, they're using Blackboard and they're using Google Docs now. Right, exactly. And Gmail. Every school gives them, you know, most schools give them a computer of some sort, mostly Chromebooks, I think, from mm-hmm. what I've seen. But, so they grow up with this technology and they're so much more advanced. The gaming component. Yet, if you look, there was a, I, I did some research for this. ProtectWise did a survey and only 9% of millennials want a cybersecurity career. In the tech, on the technology side, and there's so much more training, and it's so much more advanced. It, it's it's interesting to me. No, it is, it is, and that I mean that's a very low number, especially given all of the cybersecurity, uh, you know, just uh, challenges that are going on. I mean, I think about how much focus government is putting on cybersecurity, and if only nine percent of the of the millennial workforce, which will be almost half of the workforce um, in about a year or so, is wanting to enter in the, the field. I mean, that that's concerning. I mean, I think that's why you do see efforts um, to, you know, outreach and to get uh, 
um, younger people excited about cybersecurity. As you said earlier, we've had a couple that have been on the, the podcast who have done some of these government cybersecurity challenges and things like that, where I think they're trying to actually um, bridge that gap by bringing in things like gaming and showing how the, you know those things can be components of, of, of cybersecurity. Yeah, the, uh, the other piece from that study, it, it, a lot of it was around awareness. Mm-hmm. As you were talking, they know gaming, but only 17% said someone in their family had ever worked in the cybersecurity field. Only 37% or I'm sorry, 37% said they don't know enough about the field or career path of cybersecurity to make a decision whether that would be interesting or not. Just general awareness seemed to be crazy. And there's so many jobs. We talk week after week about the number of jobs available. Right. And so what do, in terms of just, you know, um, force point, do you all, do do you guys do any targeted outreach for recruiting younger um, generations into the, into the workforce? We we do at the college level. We we do a lot around volunteering where we'll do activities with kids. I actually, in a prior job, went to an elementary school and, and we did a safe, um, safe, I think it was safe surfing. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, talking to elementary kids about the dangers of online and not to scare them, just to make them aware that when they, you know, never share your personal information with anybody. If somebody's trying to ask you about your personal information yourself, get your parents involved right away. The difference between online and in-person relationships. My son is a big Fortnite user. The majority of his friends are British for some reason. Oh, interesting. My 11-year-old, <laughs> And I think part of it's the time he plays. I don't know. But he's always – you can hear him talking to these individuals, put it on the speaker, and they have a British accent. They're kids in, in Great Britain. Wow. Okay. Well, that's one way also to get uh, more exposure, but that's in, that's also fast. You do, but think yeah. about the type of relationship you can build with somebody in the UK yeah. versus picking up a ball and going outside right. and talking right. right? Or, or a schoolmate. The odds of the – the, uh, the, the, the tenure of that relationship are, you know, much lower over the pond. Right. No, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, there, there's so many differences and that's why I think when you really drill into them, um, you know, it's, it's almost as if depending on when you were born, it's like you're, you know, being born in a different country. I mean, that's (laughs) how those differences align in some ways. A little, a little bit. Yeah. So we're doing as much as we can in the space. You know, how would what would you being an expert in the topic on the topic? What would you recommend to government hiring managers? You know, there's cybersecurity engineers, there's cybersecurity analysts, network engineers and analysts, uh, managers, systems engineers, vulnerability engineers. There's consulting. I mean, there, there are a massive number of jobs in the space unfulfilled, especially in the government, and they pay really, really well. And a lot of them you can work from anywhere. If you're in the middle of Iowa, you don't need a factory next to you. You don't need a huge business. You can get a remote job and travel for work. It's a great way to help parts of the country you know, increase their employment. What would you recommend to a hiring manager in the government? So I, I think it's really t- taking a step back and looking at what is the skill set that you're looking for um, for these types of positions. 
and then really almost doing what it's called recruitment marketing, um, where you are using, you know, even traditional marketing tactics to go after um, those individuals who meet the skill set. And I think so many times cyber cybersecurity, um, it, you know, again, it sounds so techy. It sounds, um, you know, like you're going to be sitting in, a, you know, an office just kind of, <laughs> you know, jump it, just on your computer at all times of the day and night and not interacting and, and not, um, you know, really having your, your heads up, your head up and, and looking around and seeing what else is going on. It sounds like a very heads down type of career at times. And it can be, it, it, can it doesn't have be, to, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, I was fascinated, um, just, you know, by one of our most recent, um, podcasts and we were talking about innovation and cybersecurity and going through, you know, sort of that X lab experience and doing things like that. I mean, that was really exciting, but that's not how cybersecurity is really painted to. <laughs> well, and Joyce Hunter t- spoke about the tractor. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about her, the same her ride, thing. her ride on the planter right. a couple right. of weeks ago. Right. And, and so I think sometimes, you know, the way and this doesn't just apply to cybersecurity, but I think it definitely applies to cybersecurity. The way that we have described different professions, um, we have to go back and look at that to see if they if we're describing them and if we're looking for um, the right types of people um, to meet the demands of the future. So, for example, you know, a creative person could thrive in a cybersecurity uh, career. It just may not be the heads down one that you're, you know, that we were just talking about. But it could, it might be one where you're looking at innovations or you know, you're problem solving things like that. But again, that's not how it has traditionally been marketed to to, to my knowledge. So, I, I think that's one of the things is that we have to, um, you know, take a take a step back and think about. You know, what are the skill sets? And it's not just that you can, you know, crack the, <laughs> the Internet code. Um, there are other right. things that can, you know, really make you successful in the career as well. I'm betting most of the job requirements are written by baby boomers or exactly. millennials or, or Gen Xers, right? <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should have some help from the actual constituency that we want mm-hmm. to hire from. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's absolutely what what needs to be done. And I think, you know, government has made some progress in this area. I know they had that um, cyber academy that they that was launched earlier in the year. And they actually were very specific about the fact that they did not want those who were already in cybersecurity um, careers to apply for. They actually, you know, you could have a technical background, but they were actually looking for people with different types of experiences that were interested in potentially, you know, attending um, the cyber academy to just explore and open their eyes to, you know, the, the, the field. Because, I mean, it's kind of like millennials. Cybersecurity has a lot of just, you know, um, there's a lot of assumptions made about it with not always all the the factual truths to the you know for those who are actually in it from a government hiring perspective where would where would you go you probably haven't written the book yet maybe this is your next book (laughs) book number two where would you go to learn how to communicate with a different generation well one of the things and we see this a lot in, in recruiting is um you know social media is definitely a platform um, for even, you know, for, for, for recruiting workforce. I mean, think about if a, um, if the government or even a, a private organization, right? Think about if they did one of those, um, paid, 
um, ads on Instagram. So, so I don't, I know Eric, you don't use Instagram that much, but you know. a little bit, a little <laughs> but, bit, but, but it's not my favorite. Sometimes you get, you know, these ads that pop up. So imagine if they had this really cool video as you're scrolling that pops up that shows someone doing some really interesting work in cybersecurity. And then, you, you know, you swipe up and you can go to the link to, to learn more, things like that. So you don't tend to see that. I mean, we tend to see ads for all different types of, you know, um, products and, and other, you know, you do see some other, um, marketing out there for other, um, corporate recruitment, but I haven't seen anything, you know, um, from the government and, and, and that type of, uh, in that type of platform. So it's, it's an idea. So how do you, how do you figure out where the good ideas are, which platforms to use, what to do if you're not even using them yourself? Like I know Instagram because I, because I've used it enough. Mm-hmm. I don't care to share all of my iPhone snaps and, and I'm a photographer. <laughs> I know, right? Just so you know, right? So I use SmugMug and publish to a website where I have everything in one spot for me. But where, how do you know as, an, as a hiring manager if you aren't aware of these tools, right? I mean, a lot of people don't even use YouTube. My 11-year-old, he will go to YouTube to figure out how to coerce me into doing something if, if he thinks it all. <laughs> exactly. Well, again, I think that's where, um, you know, any type of, of hiring entity, be it within government or, or in um, the private sector, you have to start meeting people where they are. You have to start meeting Agreed. the workforce where they are. And as I said earlier, millennials will, you know, they will be <laughs> the largest, um, you know, part of the workforce in just a few years. I mean, they, the generation is larger than baby boomers. So, you know, the, the takeover is happening. And, you know, the largest, um, the, oh, I'm sorry, the oldest millennial will turn 39 this year. So I, I think also, you know, we have to think about you're not just sort of marketing to that 20 something sleeping on your mom's couch. <laughs> you're marketing to, you know, someone who's been in, in theory working for, for many years and, and is exploring, you know, the different professions and things like that. So you have to take all of that in consideration. Um, and so I, I think that, again, it really goes back to that recruitment marketing where you take a stand, you take a, a step back and you really think about how do I reach the workforce um, and how do I reach people who have the skills that I want, who may not always be working in the profession already, or even be aware of, you know, just the, um, the breadth of the profession. So in wrapping up, what I'm hearing you say is they're, they're not all lazy as we think. No, they're not. Just kidding. (laughs) They actually do care about certain things. It's really a communication issue. There is a, 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 a gap that we need to, we need a generational gap, mm-hmm. a classic definition that we need to cross and talk to them as if they're our customers, they're our consumers and speak in their language. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're, we're even seeing in government, um, you know, we see a lot of rising leaders who are, are, are younger, especially in the cyberspace. I mean, we've talked to some of them. And so I think a lot of them will have you know, new ideas on in terms of how to close these gaps, um, how to communicate, how to send um, messages that will resonate with this um, this this work, this younger workforce that's coming in. And so, you know, progress has been made, but there there's still work to be done. So we'll end on a question to you, the expert. Okay. <laughs> Do you think we will actually address this challenge head on and be successful, or will it just age out and by by default? millennials will work because they will be the bosses of the future and they will know how to work with their, their own generation. 
So I think that we will actually, um, I think we will address the, this, this issue. I think we will have to. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book is because I feel as though instead of sitting back and everyone's complaining, like millennials are complaining about boomers, um, boomers are complaining about millennials. And so, you know, you just have these, this, this gap that's getting further and further apart. And so, again, I think if we can have more communication, have more discussion, um, we can move forward. And you do see that happening. You see companies, you see government doing reciprocal um, mentoring, things like that, where, you know, there's a recognition that both um, or not all generations, I should say, can learn from each other. So, you know, progress is progress is being made. um, And if not, you know, look, millennials are taking over. So it's ready or not. They they are. The boomers are aging out. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to see what the challenge is with the with Gen Z and the millennials. Well, it'll, it'll be a good one. exactly, it, it, it'll it, be a great one. It's starting. It's starting. So to be uh, <laughs> to be determined. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. I love when we just chat. Sometimes I I think you have a tremendous amount of value, and I mean this is an area where you just know your stuff. So thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, you, you have millennials uh, as children, so you're I also do. an expert. You Maybe I'll figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an expert yourself. <laughs> well, thank you. This was fun. So thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And please uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Please subscribe. Please send us a, a message about what you'd like for us to talk about next. And until next week, you've been uh, listening to To The Point Cybersecurity. Great week, Erica. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 